Full Scope, a podcast designed to analyze the games that we love, the headlines of music, and the movies we can't forget. I'm Post One to Burn, but my kind of person, my horse. How's it going, man? Solid intro, bro. Hey, man. Come on. I've been cooking. I've been cooking. <laughs> Yes, sir. I was, I was, I was, I was interested to see what, how you were gonna open it up. That was, that was spot on. That was amazing. I'm doing good, bro. Yes, sir. <laughs> Congratulations again on you graduating, man. What Thank a you. milestone! Longer. <laughs> if anybody it's been a long time coming, coming. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. <laughs> Had to play Sam Cook. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> and happy belated birthday! Happy belated birthday, man! Thank the most you. important person on this podcast, most important person on the podcast, no. who brings the flavor, That's... brings the juice. It's you, bro. It's you. It's That's all you. you. <laughs> I couldn't have came up with that. I would have <laughs> forgot about it and said the same intro. <laughs> <laughs> Two guys in their twenties. Oh no, no, that's not right. Or somebody's old on this podcast. That's what that is. But we have a lot of topics to get into. Obviously, we're in the conference finals now for the NBA. I'll also have some album reviews, and, and in the second half, we're going to do a review of Mike Clayton. To start off with Jason Tatum, just a score game seven performance, and, and the Celtics advancing past the Sixers. Um, Boston won one twelve, one twelve to eighty eight at home. Tatum had 51 points, uh, the most in a Game 7 in, in NBA history. This is also the Celtics' second trade appearance in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, Jalen Brown added 25 points on the other side. This is the Sixers' um, third trade year of losing the conference semifinals in the fifth time in six seasons. And uh, and, and recently, or, or earlier today, they, they fired Doc Rivers. Um, and so many changes are going to be having, happening for the Sixers internally and obviously um, just some changes around uh, their infrastructure. But what were your thoughts on Jason Tatum's performance? Obviously, he struggled a lot in Game Six. had had seventeen in the fourth, and this was again a reminder game of of what Jason Tatum can do. This is what makes an NBA superstar. It's yeah. facing adversity. What can you do for your team? How can you come out and make a difference? And he, man, he he was on one. Literally, he was on one. He couldn't he miss. He was. Picking the right shots. We talked about that last year, him picking the right shots and them not having enough around him. But Jalen Brown looked good. Uh, Marcus Smart is is picking it up as a a, a full-on uh, point guard. And he can shoot. He's His shooting percentage from the three-point line is increasing. It has in, in, in gotten better, especially in the in this playoffs, playoffs run of last year. I don't know where he was when the three-point percentage, but – Everybody is pulling their weight. Even old Al Horford is pulling their weight, but Jason Tatum was phenomenal. And him scoring 51 points is so amazing, but the people around him picking up the slack and doing their part is way better than him scoring 51 points. Right. Because we've seen him do this countless times and they still oh, lose. Yeah. Jalen Brown has a, a, a off night or mm-hmm. the, the bench play like broad and coming off the bench. He's not as prolific as he, as he normally is in certain games. So the bench play, the supporting cast, those guys stepping up at, as well as him scoring 51 points was amazing. But 76ers look like they didn't, they, they gave up second half. Joel Embiid was his percentage was right in front of low. Them. Game six right was right there for the take. Game six was right there. I was like, like I've, I've been re- reiterating recently. Game six, that was the prime moment for for Philly to just take it. Like yes. when you're opposing, uh, oppo- when your opponent opponent's best player is not even playing to a standard that we're used to seeing from him, and only has single digits heading into the fourth quarter. You gotta you gotta close it out there. Like like the, the, that was the, the the peak moment to do that. And like we've seen 
in the past against Atlanta, when they needed to do it the most, they just couldn't deliver. No, and he didn't look like MVP or regular season Joel Embiid, who's averaging 30-some points a game. He was non-existent. James Harden inconsistency in the playoff continues non-existent. Like, these guys, yeah. and the, what he said after the press conference, me and James can't win it by himself. Tobias Harris had the the highest shooter percentage from the field, and he had the most points. And he he's, he was good on both front court and back court. So you guys not stepping up when it matters the most, you quit. And I understand you have an injury, but that didn't, you know, that didn't have a huge effect because you were still playing like you were in a regular season form. Yeah. Something has to has to give for these guys, man. They're not sustaining, and it's not Doc Rivers' fault. And I'm I'm so upset. Always that the they fall guy. The coach is always the fall guy. Like, like always. I, I just I don't I don't get it because it's just like yeah, there can be adjustments made here and there, but at the same time, your MVP only had 15 points, and the second best player on your team only had nine points in the game seven. Like <laughs> Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey had more points than your two best players. Like that's that's the resounding issue. It's not Doc Rivers coaching. It's not Doc Rivers coaching. It's the inconsistency in the game. And Joke Man, it's I don't understand how it doesn't translate. And obviously, you you got an injury, but you looked well. The injury wasn't plaguing you. You wasn't limping. You wasn't showing uh, signs of wear and tear when you were were in the game. You look fine. So there's no excuse about your injury. And then James Harden, we this is nothing new. We see him be inconsistent. First game, he give us, what, 40-some points. Second mm-hmm. game, non-existent. Third game, non-existent. He will get a fourth. And, like, it's never consistent in the, <laughs> when it comes in the playoffs. It is it's all scattered no everywhere. Yeah, it's all scattered <laughs> everywhere. So 76ers firing Doc Rivers just added to just the nonsense of these organizations firing these coaches that this have is what had. Harden wanted. This is yeah, what wanted. he wants Mike. He wants he wants Mike D'Antoni. That's what it is. And Daryl Morey Mike, is about to give it to him. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He I've, it's there's stories circulating that James Harden doesn't even want to be with the 76 He wants to go back to Houston. Houston, yeah. So if that, I don't think I just don't get it. What 76ers need? I don't think they need him. Yeah, because the, because the, the, so. there's also reports about Joel Embiid being upset about Doc Rivers being fired, and then but Harden wants D'Antoni as a possible new candidate. They're, your two your two superstars aren't aren't even on the same page. You know, and and, and, and that's and that's another resounding part of it. That's just it's <laughs> we keep seeing it every year because we always have like we always talk about like the process with Philly and we don't even mention it anymore because it's no. it's never gonna get completed. <laughs> There's never it's never gonna get completed. Never. And I think when he wants Dan and Tony because he doesn't run in plays as a coach. He allows him to do what he wants. There's no structure. And a lot of people have said that when he was the head coach in the Houston Rockets, there's no structure in Houston. James Harden does what he wants to do. Obviously, he's going to get get to the rim and get those fouls. And that's the free throw was a huge of what they lived off besides the three-pointer. We see them live and die by the three-point. They don't need that at the 76ers. They yeah. don't need that mantra. They don't need that at the with the in that organization. It's already in shambles. So you bring a head coach who has no structure and then let the players do what they want to do. You're not going to go. You're not going to go to second, third round. You're not going right. to go to the NBA finals. Doc Rivers is the guy you need. He has that structure. He's not going to let these guys do what they want to do. Mm. But, hey. 
I don't pay nobody. I, I don't have millions, billions <laughs> of dollars to buy a you know, head coach. I don't have that. <laughs> um, what do we and, know? I mean, what do we know? What do we, 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 we're just two guys of a podcast. <laughs> two guys of a podcast. But when you look at Boston, it's like um, it's always, even though Tatum can have these incredible performances, it's always about the others. Like mm-hmm. when they're really clicking. And that's why so many people feel as though like, like this team should be the favorite going forward. Like, do you think that's what separates Boston? Like, not just when Tatum and Brown are, are playing well, but when you got Malcolm Brogdon contributing and um, just Al, Al Horford, as we were mentioning, just other guys who are who are chipping in because that's what makes this this Celtics team one of the top teams and you know maybe the pro- probable favorite. In this series, yes, I would say that. Because you can you can have your star guys be inconsistent because their star guys are inconsistent. They're not going to give you the same exact points each each game. But when it goes to a team like Miami Heat, who has been consistently good and has gotten better each series, it's a different story. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown will have to step up and be big the entire series. This series can go to game seven. If you slip up, it can end at game six, but they have to be on each game or at least have some type of consistency in each game because Miami Heat will put you away, and we've seen that the first two series. They are a well-oiled machine in the playoffs. I'm not saying because they were eight seed, they're not in the regular season, but playoffs, they're a well-oiled machine, and you have to, your top guys have to be on. Jay, Jason Tatum has to take great shots. He has to be in rhythm. The confidence has to be there. As soon as he walks in the arena, it's going to be a lot of chess moves. That series is going to be a lot of chess moves. moves because, yes, like we we mentioned, coaching, but Eric Spoelstra is one of the is one of the most you know experienced playoff coaches yes. we still have in the NBA today. And Jimmy Butler just keeps finding a way to to get there. Like also, we 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 the, we've seen this team, um, the Miami Heat, just come up right come up extremely short in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Butler, yeah. um, you know, in that in that game seven, you know, put up four or three. Like, how much do you feel as though the familiarity of these two teams is going to be another thing that, like, makes this such a close series? Because these teams, even since the bubble, have been in the Eastern Conference Finals a lot of times and just have a lot of, you know, close matchups and just, you know, uh, cr- cross players that, that, that can just really match up well and decide what's going to be the eventual outcome. Man, I, I think when it comes to Jimmy in the heat, well, particularly pertaining to Jimmy, he's hungry. He's been hungry yeah. ever since he had to go to JUCO and then going to and then being able to. He wasn't that guy. He'd tell him himself. I've seen multiple interviews. I'm saying, man, I wasn't. Whoever said I was going to be good, they were lying. They, I didn't even know I was going to be good. So that <laughs> hunger is still there, and you can see it how he plays. He gives his all, and that trickles down eventually to the guys or the players around you, and they want to to step that up and be on that level because that's a winning championship mindset. And mm-hmm. I think that's what the Heat have this year. I think it's different because everybody has bought in and everybody's playing better. Bam is playing yeah. better. Jimmy is, is crazy. If they get uh Wishcom back, he might come back. I know he's still on injury. Yeah. yeah, Hero. Might be back for game three. He might be back for game three. I think that'll be a game changer. Game changer because he's the, he's a three-point guy. He's a, he's, he's a bit of a he's a cutter. He likes cutting at the rim, but he also likes to spot shoot. But he can create his own shot as well. So I think that add a different element. And I don't think anybody hurt or no hurt. I don't think anybody 
for with the Celtics can hold Hero, especially when he's 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 ball, he's he's uh, moving out the ball and he's spot shooting. He's his release is so fast, you're not gonna get it. So, so quick, my goodness. So so oh. quick. So if he comes back and they're already playing, and we talked about Bam not rebounding well, Bam not shooting well. This series, he's the last two games, he stepped up big time for these guys, and that's I think that's going to go with with the Celtics because they don't have to. But if Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown don't have fantastic nights every night they play, it's going to be a struggle because I don't think these guys for the even their their bench or these other guys are going to be strong enough to uh, handle what he has accomplished because they're hungry, they're coming, they're they're a team it's that's going to be a good series. This yes, is going to be a good series. Um, and now after listening to the, to the Lakers closing out the Warriors um, at home, and 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 also the question of, of this is if this if this is the possible you know end of Golden State title dynasty. Um, LA won one twenty two to one hundred one. LeBron had thirty points, nine rebounds, and nine assists. And um, AD also had seventeen points and twenty rebounds. The Lakers also never trailed in their third home victory over Golden State in seven days. And this is also the first the Warriors' first time losing in the playoffs before the finals since twenty fourteen. Um, what are your thoughts on this um, on this series? Because you know, we've mentioned how much AD is, is looking a lot better. Yeah. Mainly on the defensive side. Also, you know, offensively as well, but he, he's, he seems to be more focused defensively. And you're having so much elite guard play from D'Angelo Russell. Dennis Schroeder was defending a Steph Curry really well. And, mm-hmm. you know, we just didn't, we haven't seen a team really be able to, to dominate physically, to, to, to dominate Golden State physically as we saw with, with the Lakers and LeBron pretty much get a basket whenever he wanted. But what were your overall takeaways from that series win and just, you know, what the Lakers did to advance to the Western Conference Finals? There's several things that I I took from from that game. One, when LeBron James is running offense and he's rejuvenated, it's it's a different story. When he when he attacks, I know he's 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 older, thirty eight years old. But when he attacks and draws everybody in, and these guys are hitting, the Sportacast guys are hitting. It's 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 overwhelming for teams. And then one other takeaway I got from is Steph Curry is still that guy. Steph still, Curry is still, still the face yeah. face of the Warriors. And then Klay Thompson had a terrible night. Uh, Jordan Poole had a terrible night. Wiggins had a terrible night. These guys who normally are more consistent have they were just off. And and I and I think his account of they had so many open shots. He had so many open shots that just missing. weren't going down. Yeah, they weren't going down. It wasn't, it wasn't their night. But I, I do think when LeBron James is running the offense and everything runs through LeBron, no one can stop this Laker team. And to, to just to piggyback what you said, Anthony Davis, he has been getting to a point where he's comfortable, comfortable. And, and I think that's what we don't need AD to be phenomenal. We just need him to be comfortable because yeah. I forgot what game it's probably game three or game four. The same shots he was making the game before, it just wasn't going in, and it looked like he was uncomfortable. He wasn't rebounding well. He wasn't. He started defending late in the game, but when he's comfortable, when he's in, the defensive presence is different. When he's comfortable, he's knocking down the mid-range shots, and I think he needs to start driving to the hole more. I know that's not his game since he's been with the Lakers, but if he can create his own shot instead of coming off the roll and shooting the, the 15, 15 footer and stuff like that, right. I think if he gets to the rim, I think it'd be better. We have to get him comfortable. He has they have to not we, sorry. They have to get him comfortable. <laughs> 
with being being in those positions, making those shots, being in the in, in and I think defensive wise, he's he's there. He had 20 rebounds this game, the last game, um, 17 points. He looked comfortable, he looked fresh, he looked like he wasn't in his mind. Because I think what AD is all mental. It's all mental. Always. Yes, yeah, always, always. Is. So if you could get him comfortable, especially going to game one against the Nuggets, because he's gonna be I think they're gonna put Jokic him on Jokic. And that's gonna be a good matchup for the both of them. Very good. But we know Jokic is just—it's just weird, bro. He's just a weird guy. When he shoots, I'm like, I'm like Katie. I'm like, bro, how is that going in? Like, I, I don't understand. But Jokic is freakishly good, freakishly slow paced. But I think one of the best playoff performers. He's been one of the best playoff performers of yes, his entire season. So and it, it's so funny because he doesn't want to shoot first. He's always no. a facilitator first. Yeah. So this is going to, and I know I'm probably skipping ahead, but if the Lakers nah, it, want it, to say this, this flows right into the preview because, like, I think Denver. We haven't seen both of these teams have been so well at home. Denver hasn't yes. lost at home so far in the postseason. Lakers haven't either. Obviously, one of these two teams, one of these teams, has to get a road win to like really like yes. you know get control of this series. But another another key component of this is like a lot of people are saying the battle between Jokic and, and AD is going to be the biggest storyline, but also Jamal Murray's consistency. Yes. Jamal Murray, if if I feel like that's the X factor. If Jamal Murray is consistent, the Nuggets win. If he's not and shaky, the Lakers are gonna have an advantage. Like how much of that do you think is also a key factor for, for this matchup? It plays a huge role. We we don't have that excuse that he's hurt. Um mm-hmm. this is obviously a rematch from the bubble. Yeah. What I saw and what, what I remember from the bubble in that matchup is that the Lakers took away in some points Jokic being a facili- f- facilitator and made him shoot. They You can win if Jokic is making buckets. But right. if he gets his teammates around him going, like Jamal Murray, like uh, yes, Porter, it's like it's a wrap. He's a facilitator for, first, and they love to cut. They love to cut right behind it. For AD or whoever's going to hold Jokic, he needs to be up close and personal with hands up. He doesn't yeah. need to be back. If Jokic shoot, that's okay. Let him shoot. It's you can okay. Live, you can live with that. You. you can live with that. You can live with that because he's going to make it regardless. He's going to get his numbers regardless. But his biggest thing is facilitating and making his players around his teammates. Because the others involved. Because the others involved is going to be a long night. <laughs> they just be a stat. <laughs> Sons team with that formula. Them. Demolish them on the road. My goodness, <laughs> man. So if they have any, any, any chance of beating this team, because Nuggets do look good with Jamal Murray in, you know, inconsistent. But these these other guys who are getting going in because of Jokic, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting if the Lakers can stop it. But whoever's holding Jokic has to be up in his face, put pressure on him. He cannot be a facilitator first. Yeah, definitely, uh, and. and I mean, Savon called it, and I gotta admit it. He said Lakers are going to the finals, and I—I I, I don't know—I don't remember which episode it was. I literally laughed, <laughs> and I was like, "Man, stop!" And he's close. I mean, they actually might go to the okay. finals. Like, out of all the four teams, um, just you know, and, and you and you might say the Lakers, but who do you think right now should be the favorite out of all out of all these four teams left? If I'm not being biased, 
I think Nuggets should be the favorite, and also Miami. I think that'll mm-hmm. be a good NBA Finals, Nuggets and Miami. But realistically, and bias, bias and being biased, <laughs> bias, bias. <laughs> it's going to be Lakers. It's going to be it's, it's going to be Lakers in a Heat rematch. Okay, that's how that you know that's how I feel. I I think Jokic, or I'm uh, no not Jokic. I think Jamal Murray won't show up, and I think they'll take away those lanes for Jokic to be a facilitator at least for three games. If they can do that yeah. for three games, they have a chance to get out that series. Mm-hmm. LA Miami, man, that would, that would be an incredible, be incredible match because, because we know what Butler did in game five, 43 points. He was hung over. <laughs> he was just like exhausted. Like, can I get any help? <laughs> Yo, <laughs> help me. please. <laughs> um, and, and before we move on, like out of, out of the four teams that didn't advance uh, to the conference finals, you know, with, uh, Suns, Knicks, um, and uh, and, and Warriors and Sixers, like like which team out of those four are you kind of like most concer- concerned with, like in terms of like their chances to to, to compete uh, for titles, you know, for for next season or even more? Like, what particular team do you feel as though kind of has the most concerns and, and question marks? Two teams actually, uh, Warriors and the Suns. And I say Warriors because it didn't feel. I think even even in the beginning of the punch, Draymond, you know knocking out Jordan Poole, I think that put a a wrench into that team. And then I think identity crisis are everywhere with the Warriors from head coach who's saying this wasn't a championship team, Jordan Poole not knowing his role, uh, Clay Thompson's just identity. And Draymond, is Draymond going to stay? Are they going to re-sign Draymond Green? Or is Clay Thompson going to, going to leave? Is will he want to to have his own team? Does he want to see if he can do it without Steph Curry and Draymond Green and these guys? I think there's going to be a lot of shuffling people around. Are they going to keep Andrew Wiggins? Are they going to trade for some other players and get to, and get Jordan Poole and Adrian Wiggins out and just keep you know? So it's a lot yeah. of a lot of things they so could do. Marks. Yeah, a lot of possibilities. And then with the Warriors, man, uh, Chris. He, is Chris Sun, Paul gonna yeah. go? So I mean, so, yeah, son. Sorry. Is Chris Paul gonna go? Is KD gonna stay? Are they gonna, you know, extend him? What are they gonna do with Aiden? I know they just gave Aiden a contract. Do they trade Aiden because he hasn't played to his abilities to that big contract? So there's a lot right. of question mark and possibilities for them. We already know the 76ers just blah. They're gonna be yeah. blah for, <laughs> for you know, as, as soon as they created the process stuff and then the general manager was doing dumb stuff, like the whole thing just started going in shambles and breaking down mm-hmm. and it still hasn't been built back up. So I don't think mm-hmm. it would ever, but Warriors have a lot of question marks, Suns have a lot of question marks. A lot of animosity over there because they had a in- extremely great team on paper that couldn't translate to uh, go they to really the NBA finals. They really had a yeah. great team. Yeah. Um, and after transitioning to the, the John Morant situation, um, the Grizzlies have suspended John from all team activities after a video um, showing the star guard holding a gun, which began circulating on social media Saturday night. Um, Memphis announced the suspension, which is pending a league review um, in a statement Sunday, two months after the NBA suspended Morant over a similar incident. And, you know, um, obviously this has gotten a lot of attention, a lot of headlines. Um, former players have talked about it, Gilbert, Gilbert Arenas, about what he needs to do over the offseason. And, yeah. you know, if he's ever going to take this seriously and, and you know, what's going to get his attention. Like, wh- what are your your thoughts on on this happening again? And just kind of the, the point where John Moran is in, in his career of, of kind of at a crossroads. Like, he's his popularity has risen so much this season. And now with these two incidents, it, it's 
really putting a dark a dark cloud over what his future is and just you know his reputation in the, in the league. I think he truly believes he's untouchable. Yeah, because he's a star basketball player and that he's the face of the Memphis Grizzlies and he won't get chastised to the point where he can't play basketball anymore. NBA is a brand and it wants to be a clean brand and it wants to uh from a, a PR standpoint want to make sure it's in good standing. They don't want one of the star faces of one of their NBA teams to be a gun toting, which is fine, but and it's it's okay to bear arms obviously, but to flaunt it in a video in a way that's not beneficial to anybody. You got to draw the line. And I think they're going to they're going to suspend him for some more games. And I would love them to, to suspend him half of next year so he can really understand what he's doing. Bro, you have millions of dollars yeah. on standby, but you want to continue to show guns on a video. Why? Poor K. I have the accent two languages. Why? Poor K. <laughs> There's that's when, you, that's just when you're really desperate to ask a question. <laughs> yes, bro. Like I don't understand it. You, what are are you going to a midlife crisis, bro? You were like early twenties, bro. What early twenties. You got millions of dollars. You're at the, like, Go buy something. <laughs> Go do something else besides showing a gun. Had a kid a, too. <laughs> yes, he has a kid. Go like what are you doing? <laughs> you can, so many other things you could be doing, man. And I'm sure he is he has so many people in his ears and he's not listening. And I'm pretty sure they give him sound advice. Everybody is giving him sound advice because they know where road he's going. The, your first love is basketball. You lose basketball. Are you gonna be really street now? <laughs> the money will stop Yeah, bro. <laughs> like, come on, bro. Eventually, the money will stop. Eventually, your body is going to wane and it's going to deteriorate. You need to protect your investment, which is basketball. Look at the the face. Look at the other guys in the league who, like um, LeBron, Steph Curry. Oh, my um, gosh. All the guys who who are just about basketball and handling their business and then going home. That's just what it is. It's like they know what to do. Like, we don't need to be in the spotlight or, or... you know, past what we do professionally, you know, we'll, we'll have endorsements, we'll do other things. But outside of that, we're not going to, we're not going to be out doing things that, that seem sketchy or problematic. No, and bring distraction to your organization and to your teammates, bro. Yeah. Basketball is first. You're making millions of dollars to play a kid's game. Mm-hmm. Stop, bro. You have, he has to refocus. If they, I think if they can suspend him for half of the season, and him like being around some good people. I won't say go to not therapy or like, you know, rehab for showing a good. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> but he needs to like really, really think about what he is at the ability to lose. Because if he's not choosing the right things, bro, if you have a gun, that's cool. Why flaunt it? But, you know, suspend. Right. I think they should suspend for half of the season. That's just me because this this happened once. It'll happen again already. Not even not even two months away. Yeah. yeah. So him gotta being be severe. Able, yeah, it, it got to be a severe uh, suspension. Obviously, he's not with the team. He can't be with the team suspended from those meetings and stuff. And then 
suspended from half of the season. And I think that'll get to him. If that doesn't get to him, then whole season. Yeah. Some people are calling That's for crazy. that. Some some NBA executive or NBA reporters are, are are saying that that might be a possibility. So it's it's definitely it's definitely gonna be interesting to see if like two times. That's the thing, the fact that that it's happening twice. Like it, it's one thing if it's unless it's six months. It's just like has not gotten the message at, at all. Um, and, and and before we move on to our album reviews, obviously there's a big fight coming up with Devin ha- Haney and and Vasily Lomachenko. Um, you know that this is gonna be uh, a unified. Uh, you know, a, a lightweight division clash. And with these two fighters in terms of what we're seeing, and, and obviously Devin Haney being one that, um, you know, won the in, in, interim WC, the WBC title in 2019. And, you know, uh, Lamachenko was a former WBC uh, title holder. When you look at, at this fight, who would you give the edge to? And also, you know, what do you think could possibly be the key in terms of who's going to win it? Ooh, that's a good question. Right now, I have to. Hmm, that's tough because both have a good skill set. Yeah, I think Haney's has a more power, and I mm-hmm. and I think I think the IQ matches up, the skill set matches up. But I think Haney has some some more power, and I think he can adjust faster. But I have to give it to Haney. I mean, they yeah. they match up well. I think this is a good matchup for Haney. And then obviously the next one will have to be Javante Davis. Like, got to be. I have to make that happen some way. But I know he's going to be more um, stagnant because of what the rules or what's in the the contract, like they did with Ryan. Ryan agreed to some things that I thought was crazy. But I think Haney has the the. Uh, man, that's tough, bro. I don't. I want it. Really to is Han- tough because they got a really good skill set, but the power yes. he's got. It just it can't be overlooked. Oh, this is gonna be this is gonna be this. I think yeah, it's gonna be similar to Ryan and um tanks. Cause yeah, I was about to ask how long do you see it going? Oh, cause a tank. I knew tank was a better adjuster. And he's really smart and he'll put himself in the fire to adjust. And he has crazy power. And I think Haney has the same ability to do so. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Haney. Because I think they're yeah. so similar in boxing styles, but I think Haney has more power, and I think he adjusts quicker. So I definitely. Haney. Um, and after listening to our first album review with Conway the, the Machines, I uh, won't he do it. Um, in his new project, it, it embraces his his current status as a boss, and some of the projects, um, bigger moments come when he completely steps outside his zone and and sounds um absolutely at, at home on the pair of Justice League uh, produced songs. Uh, what were your thoughts on this project overall, and and some of the um. And, and some of kind of the main takeaways from these tracks that, uh, that you got. As soon as it comes on, that beat, man. <laughs> like, he doesn't waste any time. He does not. He just gets through it. Because that beat, I was like, oh, and then, yeah. And he's a boom. I was like, oh, okay, Conway with it. But it, it from I thought this was, uh, I thought Westcom produced some of these tracks. I guess he didn't. Uh, Alchemist, because it sounds sounds it like Alchemist type production. Like Alchemist, yeah. yeah. Sounds a lot and like <laughs> I was like, no, well, Alchemist is not even on it. He didn't produce any of these, but no, yeah. Solid album, bro. Yeah. Quarters, what an intro. That's how you start an album out. Rooksifix was fire. Monogram was fire. Uh, the Chosen was fire. Uh, Super Bowl with Juicy J. <laughs> That one would have me laughing. Bro, Juicy J is funny. 
And the fact that he's still rapping is even more fun. And I say Juicy J is not a good rapper. I think he's a good rapper. And he, mm-hmm. and he's, he's, he, social media has kept him rejuvenated and, and uh, kind of put him back in the fire or keep him consistent. Mm-hmm. But man, you That's really just a track you gotta listen to because you'll know why we're laughing. That's just a yes, track you gotta bro. listen to. <laughs> it is extremely funny, Juicy J, bro. His ad libs are so, so hilarious. But this was a solid, <clears throat> solid album. But I like how the, the biggest takeaway I got from this, I love how it started. I love how it ended. I love that it was, I think it was, his rapping is, is so distinguished because it's, it's he's not over the beat. He's not under the beat. It's like him and the beat are walking together. If yeah. that makes sense. And it's it's a different style. It's right into right in Yeah. And then also his, his vernacular and how he say his words it ha- you have to be mindful <laughs> of it because sometimes it'll it'll get tiring and you want to listen to something else, but you have to be mindful of where he comes from and where like why he talks like that. But I thought I, I thought this was solid. Bars were there, lyricism was there, beats were stupid crazy, start to finish, and fourteen songs, Wellington. I loved it. I love <laughs> Man. But nah, this was definitely solid. Yeah, it really was. And and, and another thing is he's put out a lot of music recently in the last years. He even put out an album uh, last year. And mm-hmm. the thing with Conway that stands out to me is the fact that he can put out a, a high volume of content, but it still be really good. You know, he's yes. not just putting out just a lot of music, just put out a lot of music. Like it's, it's high quality music every year. Like what stands out to you when an artist does that, when they put out a lot of music back, you know, consecutive years, but still make sure that it's quality and that it's really good and put together um, in, in, in a top tier type of fashion, talented, and they listen. <clears throat> they listen to the fan base. They look at the analytics. They study what's going good. Like they're in that niche. Mm-hmm. And to be to be that consistent, it takes it takes talent. And it also takes listening, preparing, making sure that what you put out is strategic, that it's precise, that it will register to your fan base and, and possibly grab other um you know potential listeners and consumers from other different genres to listen yeah. to your music because essentially this is hip-hop right this is mm-hmm. this is authentically hip-hop how he presents it the beats the boom pap the sometimes adding the jazz jazz type beats into it so mm-hmm. i think when you drop music like this continuously it has to be precisely because how music is progressing and transitioning. This is, this is a fossil. It is. It's, it's terrible, but it, it's a fossil, but to him to be able to do that consistently and still put out great, it's talent and him That's just paying to attention him. to the trends. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, and after this thing to currency and Jermaine Dupree's uh, for, for motivational use only volume one um, in this new P it's just his currency described in a, in a rap a radar interview um, recently that, uh, it's a real Southern record that the South really needs. And this project overall kind of had nostalgic beats and production with some, with some nice features. Um, what were your thoughts on, on, on this, you know, in, in this collab project? Because, you know, it is a, a very Southern um, type of record and the beats that go with it, I kind of, kind of fits that, that Southern vibe overall. And I thought, um, you know, for an EP was, it was a really solid one. Yeah. Currency. One of the like most him. underrated <laughs> rappers ever, bro. Yes. He's so Southern. Like, to a T, New Orleans Southern. Bro, oh, man. And you would never think 
him and Dupree will be like this dynamic duo that can put guess out. that. You would not guess yeah, that at all. <laughs> it's so, so deaf and all this, like Dupree's, it's like up-tempo, upbeat, and Currency mm. is a vibe guy. Like just driving mm. sure. around nighttime vibe guy. So to be able to I was show about him, to say it. This is yes. nighttime music. This is nighttime. Yes. <laughs> but that versatility, yeah, these beats were crazy. And man, I'm a huge fan of Two Chains. So them bringing Two Chains to to the mix, man. Really, I was like, oh, Two, two Chains underrated too, bro. Nobody yeah, gave Two Chains his flowers. Ti, yeah, man, what a oh. he a fossil too, but he's definitely still got it. Still got man, it. That verse was so hard. <laughs> yeah, it was, was bro. Like, still it got was. It. <laughs> Bro, this was a map. I can't wait to volume two. Like it has. That's what I'm saying. Just do an album. Oh man, just do an album. Like, like, and 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 that's the thing because obviously a volume volume two is gonna gonna come. But like, if you were in, if you were the A and R, if you were Savon the A and R in this situation, (laughs) what what would be your recommendations to them? Like, like, would it be like put out one more volume than just put out a full album after that? Depending what the numbers look like, the buzz. And I'm sure the buzz and the numbers, if the numbers are good and the buzz is still going, I think a full, like, even a, like an LP, you don't have to be a, a whole album. It could be an LP, like, you know, 10 songs. But I think, or you don't have to call it an album. Just put out a 10 song project. Yeah. Give us like a more, give because I think Currency is really good with concepts. And most of his albums, EPs, and, and mixtapes are always like consoled with like, concepts of like a story right. or where whatever the case may be so if you're gonna bring because we know Dupree, Chris Cross, Bow Wow, all like <laughs> hits, all these hits yeah. or whatever and then you got Currency which is like a laid back drive type music you gotta give us a concept and make mm. it a full thing and I'm like I think that's what people need because Currency I think is still certified hip hop to be honest oh, with sure. you, he has, he's not as changed. So, again, well, every time Currency drops, and Currency in concert, bro, he's so funny, but his music is a vibe. You're going to vibe out the entire night. So, if I'm mm. if I'm A&R, I need a full project with a bunch of concepts, a story, because you're going to get everything. You're going to get the talent, the beats, all that stuff, but I need a story. I need the listeners to be involved into this. Yeah. Absolutely. Man, five out of five. I love yes. this EP. This oh, EP was so good, man. Got saved. And after listening to, to Mahalia's new single, Terms and Conditions, um, this new single comes from a very personal place with each note coming from the heart. Uh, Mahalia admits she penned the song as, uh, quote, a lover to myself, end quote. And it's about placing boundaries in your life and working out what truly serves you. Um, what were your thoughts on this on this new single from Mahalia? We reviewed a lot of her music in the past, but uh, what did you think about this single and, and and your overall takeaways? I didn't think it was a single song. I don't think it was a single song. This is definitely an album song, but I think she loved it so much and the story behind it. She wanted to put this one out. Yeah. yeah. She probably, they probably was like, baby girl, this is, this is not, like, I want to <laughs> like, put no, it out. No, I got to do it. <laughs> it doesn't okay, resonate. Whatever. Yeah, it doesn't, it didn't, it didn't resonate for me. Like it was too, it was, the switch ups were cool, but I think it took away from the, the overall what she was trying to do. But I think she was trying to make it sound radio. But yeah. when you're talking about this type of concept and all this stuff, it can't be 
that switch up be you know what I mean? Like it reminded it's me of replayed. It's when I replay just to be like, okay, maybe maybe it was me. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe it wasn't yeah, right. Maybe I, I was like, I'm it still didn't it work. Too hard. No, <laughs> it still, it still didn't work. work, bro. It reminded me of when um what's the guy's name? Deep voice and has it giving and hasn't been found for a couple years now because his style is going out play. And the girl he was dating, uh, Justine Sky, their diss songs to each other reminded mm. me of that. Like mm. what y'all are talking about is is doesn't fit this beat and what you're trying to do. So it didn't like right. co- correlate with each other, like the beat, the switch up, like you're talking about a bunch of stuff that you're trying to make a radio hit or make a radio song with it. That doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not a single song. Yeah. It's not a single song. So hopefully the album is stronger and it flows. And I'm interested what track two and track four is going to be. Cause this we're Mahalia fans. Just, just to put that, we're Mahalia fans. We like yeah. Mahalia, but yeah. but this just wasn't this just wasn't what she this usually puts out. Yeah, yeah, this wasn't a single song. The last song we reviewed with her and the girl was a single song, and I thought it was dope. Yeah, but this is number three on a 13, 13 song album. Mm-hmm. So track two and track four will have to be really good for that. Those have to be, yeah, because it's 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 in the album really early. It should be like oh, an intermediate track that is right in the right spot. Yes. Two really good songs. It's like we said, two and four should be very good. Hopefully. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> on paper. But yeah. Yeah, on paper. This song was, uh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and now, to, to, our, to our next review with, with uh, Rory's um, Enough featuring J Electronica and Reggie. Um, in Rory's latest single, the lyrics in, include heartbreak, feel relationships. Um, betrayal and Jay Electronica spits a dope verse conveying, you know, uh, being down but not out. Um, what were your overall thoughts on this single? I think this is Rory's like third or fourth single because he said his, his album is almost is done and just just being mastering now and he's about to put it out. But uh, what, what, what were some of your thoughts um, on this on this track? You know, what's funny, Wellington. Hmm. I didn't think Rory Rory doesn't sound white. Rory Rory is white. I know. I just found yeah. that out. Literally, <laughs> okay. three seconds ago. You didn't bro. know he was a podcaster? <laughs> oh, man. Did not know he does not sound white. The boy sound black. Because he been dropping <laughs> He's dropping heat, man. He been dropping Rory, heat. We know you got. We know you got a podcast, Rory. We know you got a podcast. We got to put out the album, man. You got to put out the album, bro. What a track, bro! And he gets the right people too to bring the track got out. A lot even of good more. connections. Definitely a single song. Um, he hasn't missed with any single. Any, any single no. he's put out, they've all been single songs. He even brought um, Drum World. I guess you call him Shelly now, out of retirement. Got a song with him. Mm. Like it's a lot of. Like the people that he puts on these tracks has to be well thought out because they just go, they just vibe, they just vibe really well. But yeah, I'm so interested. We got to put him on the list of albums. He's another anticipating. one. Yeah. Ray's definitely another one. Yo, this was this was dope. He he has not missed dropping straight heat. Didn't even know he was a old ginger. <laughs> old ginger. Didn't know that. Rory the ginger. 
this. That's so funny because I've been listening. I've been listening to him for years because he was he used to be on on the Joe Budden podcast, then left there and has his own podcast with uh, with another guy named Maul. So I've been I've been listening to him for years and knowing that he's white, but you just figuring out, oh, this guy's actually <laughs> more sound like he's soulful. But but I mean, in terms of like when when you have a when you when you have a um an artist kind of like putting together just a single after single that's just right. Like, do you feel as though, cause everything like the, the strategy, the artist he's coalescing is just, is, is, is really spot on. But like, what does that tell you about an artist when they're really able to go? Like, I think this is four to one, you know, three, three for three or four for four in terms of just right singles. Man, that, whew, that just makes you think like, what else does he have? Cause it's meant for most artists. You could drop like two, singles out of like five or whatever and they'd be really really good mm-hmm. but to have four songs back to back every song that you dropped have been heat and have had other artists on there that now i'm wondering do you have a song with just you on the album or whatever project you have can you stand alone it, it and it, it's, it's a good and bad questioning like bro you dropped four great singles the album gotta be fire the album has to be like gotta 15 be. songs now yeah, because so. you dropped four. Then that makes me wonder, are all these songs going to be on the album? Or is he going to give us a whole fresh ensemble of music? That would be crazy. There's, there's so <laughs> many questions, bro. Can you stand alone on a track by yourself? Why do you need all these artists? Which is not a bad thing. These are like the mm. questions that need to be answered with this project that he said, or album that he's going to drop. There's a lot of yeah. questions that got to be answered because you're four for four. Every track you drop had other artists on it, which is not a bad thing. But I'm I'm eager to see what this full on project is going to be. What is it going to be about? Is it going to be about love? Is it going to be about? I don't know. What, like he's been what working gonna, on this since 2020. Concept? He's been working on this since 2020. So the I think there have been a lot of changes. I've been there. Yeah, a lot it had to and, be. And it might be a fresh ensemble of music. It might be because with how long he's been working on it. You know, it, it, it might be one of those just fifteen, like a fifteen song. I think I definitely think fifteen is is probably gonna be the number for the for the for the amount of tracks on this. Yeah, I agree. And you become a different artist in those three years too. Like your a direction, of, yeah, yeah. You wanna you wanna go in a different direction, or you found a different element of who you are as an artist that you want to implement in the new music, and then you just switch and just you become indecisive at some points of working on an album. So. If he does give us a new ensemble of music, that'll be dope. But if he has these four songs on there, I think that'll strengthen the album because we already know they're fire. So yeah, either that, or, that, that will think, boost it. That will boost yeah. it. Yeah, keeps it. And I think he should. You know, if that's the route he wants to go to, just already giving us something that we know is going to be good. Mm-hmm. Four tracks on it would be the would be the right move. Yeah, and those streams will just rotate over, and then he already has those on Spotify, so he can just stack up on the ones that he already has. So. Mm. Another album we're looking forward to. That's another. Yes, one. yes. Another one. Cecily, Cecily. I hope you put out a summer album. Cecily, you got to. I hope you put out a summer album. There's <laughs> a must. I think that's what she's waiting on. I think that's what she's waiting on. I, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to figure out when she's going to put it out. <laughs> yeah, uh, like a June or July. Yeah, I can see album that. will be fire. Yeah, new vibes. You could play it on the like. Yeah, yeah. She need to go ahead and drop that. Definitely. And now getting to our last review with Leon uh, Lahavis, Leon Lahavis uh, album in her last, last album from 2020, it was purposeful, tender, and bold. The Londoner's voice takes center stage 
and there's just a you know a loose occasionally mandarin mandarin feel to the songs as well in it um what were your thoughts overall on this project you know this is a very smooth listen into it and i feel as though like the, the her voice along with instrumentation you know worked very well but what were some of your initial initial thoughts on this project she's been dope for a long time and her voice like i think i first listened to her music on the tiny desk the tiny desk oh, she killed that she really killed her voice is so strong and so distinguished and her like her ability to write and her ability to like utilize her voice on production because you know some people are better live some people can't like write their own music or fit their voice to a bead or instrument or whatever the case may be but i think she has that ability to adapt to anything whether it's live whether it's live production like live instruments that creates the beat or just just, just a beat or instrumental so i think she checks a lot of boxes and her voice is so beautiful and bro, she she's yeah, man. She's I can't say enough about it. And she's very beautiful. She's very beautiful in her accent and her UK accent. Love. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was gonna say. Dope, I was bro. gonna say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, man, she checks every dope. box. Literally, <laughs> checks every box. <laughs> she does. She checks every box. Beautiful voice. Nice. She yeah. has definitely have range. Like she fits on anything. I'm pretty sure yeah. you put on a trap song, she'd probably sing it well. Okay, no, nah, that's a stretch. That's a she stretch. could do that. She could do that. <laughs> put Man. on a, a future song. <laughs> but but yeah, and, and that album is definitely a great project. Uh, another thing I got to announce though, what do you think about Summer Walker putting out an EP this Friday? Clear to Soft Life. Yeah, I was going to mention a. Cole's going to be on it. Um, Childish Gambino, Solange is producing a track. Like, do you have any expectations uh, for this EP? Because obviously her last album you really Oof. loved. And she's, I still play that. Still play that. That's just such an yes. incredible album. And this EP, it, it sounds pretty intriguing. I hope she stays in that pocket. And just hearing the people that she's going to have on it, most definitely she'll stay it in that pocket. should be incredible. Yeah. yeah, it should be with childish and that different different style that he brings in J. Cole. He's a, he's so adaptable. Um and, yeah. and I think with Solange, Solange is a, a really decent producer as well. She's produced some some, yeah. some decent tracks. Yeah, you can't sleep on her. So I'm just knowing and Solange and Summer, when Summer like is really in that pocket of being like not a mainstream artist, they they are have some similarities in their style of what they do. And I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm definitely interested. I already got it saved, ready to play <laughs> as soon as it yes. releases. And then I'm sure we're going to review it on the next podcast. Oh, yeah. So definitely. we'll, we'll let you guys know. You'll hear it first here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be, a, I'm sure there'll be another station that's going to review sure it first. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be on the radio. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with our Michael Clean review. Welcome back to the show. Now we're getting into our Michael Clayton review. And to start with the overview, this is a 2007 legal thriller film written and directed by Tony Gilroy. It's featured directorial debut starring George Clooney, Tom Wilkinson, Tilda Swinton, and Sidney Pollack. Clooney plays lawyer Michael Clayton who discovers a cover-up over the effects of toxic agrochemicals that had a budget of $93 million and brought in $21.5 million to the box office. Also had a 91% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And it was nominated for seven Academy Awards, Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Screenplay, along with many other awards. 
Um, but what were your initial thoughts on, you know, on, on a film that was um, sharply scripted, um, obviously had, had, had a lot of acclaim, and um, it's one where we see George Clooney kind of back in, in a, a more drama-driven uh, focused movie? Yeah, uh, I haven't heard of this film until uh, <laughs> this upcoming week. But, I mean, it came out in 07, so I definitely wasn't even... Yeah, I don't think I remember what movies came out at 07. I was in middle school. No Country for Old Men. Oh, that was 08. <laughs> yeah, that was okay. I'm about to say another. No. I definitely remember that one. Yeah, that's that was, everybody remembers that one. <laughs> that was a really, really good film. And we covered that one, too. Yeah. Um, but I thought this was this was this was was a good film. I wouldn't give it ninety one percent on like Rotten yeah, I was Tomatoes. About to say, I, what were your thoughts on that rating? I think it had some flaws in that. I think to be best picture, I think you have to. It, I don't. I don't. I don't like how it was shot in most cases. There's a lot of shaky shaky shots that really didn't bring out the scene. So I don't understand why it wasn't stabilized or put on a gimbal. Not a gimbal, but like a like a, a a rig or something to make it a, a steady shot. But in some, some instances I was like, well, cause you know, some shaky shots are mostly for uh, uh, t- uh TV films or TV TV yeah. shows to bring out that uh, different element, bring the scene out a little more. But when it comes to like a, this type of film and it wasn't really like gritty in most cases, shaky camera is not what you want. And mm-hmm. in this retrospect, and I, I'm not, a, you know, I'm not a, like a director, probably I'm an aspiring director <laughs> when I was in my undergrad. But yeah, I, I, but I, I do think it was, I think George Clooney's performance was really well, like he really brought this movie out, especially one of the last scenes, like that really showed me why George Clooney is one of the, one of the, one of the top legends yeah. when it comes to acting. I was about to say, cause I feel as though this was the, this was the epitome of a movie where the star elevates it to a degree yes. that it shouldn't be at. Like, like this was one of those George Clooney movies where he's like, I'm, I'm taking this to a completely different yes. stratosphere. Like, do you feel as though that might've been the reason why it got that acclaim? Because to me, George Clooney had a, a really high level performance and made this movie a lot more than what it should have been. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think in this time, George Clooney was still, still relevant, still highly sought out. So his abilities were still potent. And then you got Karen Crowder as well. Uh, not not Karen Crowder, that's her, her character. Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Which was so, so great to see her without blonde hair or bald-headed <laughs> or whatever. It was so good for her to see a normal wig on her. Um, yeah. And that was, she was, I think it was, uh, she was a brunette in this movie. So it was just different seeing her in this in this light because like I'm used to her playing, you know, in Dr. Strange and mm. uh, playing in Chronicles of Narnia where she got white hair and in different, different mode. So seeing her in this type of film really like show me her versatility and acting when it comes to it, like just her being like really dumbfounded, but she was in power, but she was still really dumbfounded and didn't know that she was getting set up like the whole time <laughs> they were talking. <laughs> like she did that really well. Like she was yeah, just like, she did that. What you, one second. Yes, we're okay. What do you want? <laughs> what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? I want 10. 10 what? 10, 10 million? Like, it was just like, I'm being dumbfounded. It was so perfect. She brought that role out so well. Man. So, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> 10 million? <laughs> Five million is that's 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 better. That's that, that's, that's better. 
say it, say it. Like it was just yeah, perfect. See her, yeah, see her in that different like a different role like this is just like okay, she could she could play dumbfounded when she's in control. She could play a witch. She Switch could play it a sorcerer. Up at any point. Yeah, she, the versatility. Definitely. Um, and now getting to our first topic, I'm um, from one of four stars. Uh, what would you give it? Um, I, I'll give this one three and a half because I feel as though the storytelling was really good and George Clooney's performance was was passionate, subtle, and right on point. Um, overall, for, from from one to four stars, what would be your particular rating? Some of your reasons. I have to give it three stars. I thought some of the the shots and angles they could have been way better, especially the scene. And I'm ahead of myself. Just to get an example: the scene where they were in the alley and if he finally called up the author with the bread in his hand. Yeah. They missed so many opportunities for different angles to bring that scene out. Yeah, drop the ball on that one. Yeah, it was it was just like little and I'm I mean, obviously nitpicking, but if it get 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, when Rotten Tomatoes really degrade some of these really good films, you give this 91% and then this my co-star, <laughs> no, my co-star give this three and a half stars when it doesn't deserve three and a half stars. I am Hold up, man. I don't know if that's a word. I'm just being retarded. Oh, that's so old. Can't say that word anymore. We get canceled, Willington. Um, but no, I thought it was three stars. I do think George Clooney's role and his, his acting ability really stood out his film. And I, th- I do think the supporting cast, like Tom Wilkinson, who does a lot of supporting cast roles on that him playing author. And then obviously you got Tilda Swinton, which is, which is, I think she's a good actress and she has that versatility. I think the supporter cast is really strong. And I think uh, George Clooney really solidified why he's one of the GOATs when it comes to uh, not only directing, but being uh, being the star actor. But three stars, I thought it had moments that it could have been better. And they, they missed a lot of opportunities when shooting. Mm. Yeah. And, and I mean, like in terms of like the, the, the GOAT actors, you know, Clooney is definitely up there. To you, like, are there any movies that you look back on or, or like the ones that you always remember for him? And, and also, what do you think kind of makes him that like, you know, consistent legend that that we've seen have a really long lasting career over the last 20 plus years? Ooh, obviously the Ocean's, Ocean's 11 uh, first, series. First series that pops up. Yeah. He, and a lot of people don't think he was a good Batman. I thought he was a good Batman. He's one of my favorite Batmans because that's when I started watching uh batman was uh mm. was it um batman and robin batman and robin then they had catwoman in there and alfred i, I mean they had freeze yeah. uh he's playing with honest Schwarzenegger. i still <laughs> love that film bro like i know people don't like it they talk about oh, he was a terrible batman <laughs> can't stand that film <laughs> but hey i'll let you go <laughs> val kilmer and george Clooney is very good and took a nose dive <laughs> <laughs> We're from Don't Michael Keaton. We're, we're from Kilmer. Michael Keaton to like crash. <laughs> Don't you ever say anything bad about Val Kilmer? He can't speak up for himself. Oh my! Stop! Stop! Terrible. Oh, you know what's funny? I just found that out. Uh, that he. He had cancer and then he couldn't be able to talk and stuff, and he lost a lot of jobs. And the new uh, with Tom Cruise, Top Gun, the new Top Gun, Top Top Gun. yeah. And I was thinking, like, why is he talking? He's played this role really well, but he really can't talk like that anymore and eat like that anymore. So leave it, leave it to to say. <laughs> 
I have a dark sense of humor. I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, but there's a lot of other movies that George Clooney has played in, starred in that yeah. I still remember. But I do think he's he's a GOAT because of that versatility, that ability to take over a scene. Because that eye contact he has in this movie is so stern, bro. It like, is. You really think he's like it? Like he, this is real life? Like this is not a movie? Like that look? Because I give people that look when I'm talking to them. So it's like so yeah. realistic that he brings that to this character, and then he's just, yeah, yeah. has the charisma was, too. Just has so much going for him because he yes. really can, like, like you say, he's got the personality to do it, and just really knows how to elevate films that can re- can use that star power, you know, in a sense, and that and that headlining yeah. feature. And he has that uh the, before we ha- he has that uh move he does in every film that look down like oh, he yeah. does that a lot with the <laughs> everybody has every a signature. actor has the signature we always talk about that every actor has that signature <laughs> bro it is so funny he does it he does it so 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 much. Like yeah. I'm looking at photos of him doing it right now. <laughs> I got it pulled up now. <laughs> There's so many photos. But yeah, nah, he's definitely goaded. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and now interesting to our next topic, favorite character. Um, I would go with Michael because, you know, he was dealing with being conflicted the, the entire film and was really unhappy with, with his current job, but ha- had a re- riveting standoff, you know, t- towards uh, the film's end. Um, but to you overall in this movie, who was kind of your favorite character? Karen, and it's so fitting that her name is Karen. Uh, she, her character was so crazy that she had like this credible power, super smart, intelligent, and then she just had this that that nuance of just being dumbfounded and not realizing what's really going on. Right. And it was just like, and she can be persuaded. That whole scene had me going crazy. Like, bro, you have the power. Like, don't talk. I, it doesn't matter what he has in his hand. You can still kill yeah. him. Like, no, just go <laughs> back in the room. Why did you even come out here? Why are you still talking to this guy? So her to be persuaded and just her character had just like a flip-flop. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really dope because obviously they could have put it in a way where she doesn't say anything or get herself acquitted and get on camera and all this stuff, saying all these things. But her character throughout the film really was a tough character until that moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. How do you not see this coming? Like, and she was still dumbfounded. Like when he pulled out the phone, like, what? <laughs> this whole movie, you was a bad, you was bad, girl. Like you had it yeah. going. And then just ended like crazy. So I thought that was, I was like, man. That's the the take a character really high and just drop him. Just drop him. Drop him off the building. And I was <laughs> like, yo, that's that's some pretty good writing. Yeah. Now that's I'm telling you, the writing, writing on this movie is really good. I I, I know it's not a four star, but the writing was solid. It was definitely yeah, solid. Yeah, very very solid. Um, and now getting to our to our next topic, most memorable scenes. I had uh, Michael Clayton's opening monologue. Also, I'm not the enemy. Uh, Michael Clayton's words to his young son. Uh, the other way, do I look like I'm negotiating? And finally, I'll be frank. I'm not sure. I like the, I like the way this is going. Scene um, to you overall. What were some of your memorable scenes and, and kind of the standouts in this movie? Two. I'm not the enemy. Yeah. And does it look like I'm negotiating? Really great 
Oh, the acting in those scenes, bro. Top tier. And it really top tier. <laughs> I just wish they shot both of those scenes a bit better. They're so if this film was shot better, would you have uh, like upgraded it to yeah, yeah, it would have been four. Yeah. There's so many and we talked about like so many films that shot and used different elements of the scenery or objects to bring the scene out more to cut to something else where you don't really have to rely on the dialogue and the, mo- and the monologue to bring the scene out more. It's sometimes you don't really like, you don't really have to sh- cut to any of the actors. You can use a lot of VO and cut to something like the bread or a different angle. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's so many things they could have did because he held that bread tightly the entire <laughs> time. This conversation, you tap my phone. How, she wouldn't do that. How would you? If the bread is tight. The bread like, is so tight. So. It ain't going nowhere. And I was, I was hoping, I was hoping you would mention that. Was so secure, bro. It was so secure, bro. Who like? Wait, why is he carrying bread in the alley, bro? Like, what's going on? What's up? What's <laughs> Oh, and he's just ripping into him, ripping yeah. into him, and he's didn't even put the bread down. He didn't defend <laughs> himself with both hands. Just, <laughs> just this took bread it. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> I know your arm is hurting right now. It's heavy. That bread has to be at least fifty pounds sir, <laughs> together. But, but, but those two scenes stood out the most because it showed the the characters. Obviously, mm-hmm. Arthur and uh, Michael, how much Michael really cared. Absolutely. And now he was trying to catch up with him for a while. And then you, like, bro, you in the alley with bread. Like, why you got bread in here? <laughs> and only thing you worried about, yeah, is your phone tabs or you, you're chasing his girl. You're looking at documents, bro. I'm trying to tell you. He warned him before he died. Yeah. Before, no, yeah, before he got killed. And he did take the heat, bro. So it's just that scene was really profound. And then obviously, like, him becoming even though he was obviously working for the NYPD, but him being triumph because he really cared about Arthur and he was really upset that that was a big deal to him. Yeah. Huge deal to him. So and even the walk off, I'm sorry, even the walk off, he was like Man. He could enjoy the moment. That's what that I got from it. Like it was just like a like he wanted to smile, wanted to be happy, but he just walked away like bro, I'm I'm not satisfied. It's like it's that look. He, he had that look, and it's like you, just the satisfaction was not there. Satisfaction was still, yeah, still an empty feeling. Did. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's crazy. But what Definitely. a scene! Oh my gosh, what a scene! Definitely. Um, and, and now getting to our next topic, most memorable quotes I had. Um, there's no play here. There's no angle. There's no champagne room. I'm not a miracle work. I'm I'm a janitor. Um, uh, from Michael. Also, I'm not the guy you kill. I'm the guy you buy. From Michael. Isn't it what we wait for to meet someone and they're like a lens and suddenly. You're looking through them and everything changes and nothing can ever be the same again from Arthur. And then finally, the smaller the mess, the easier it is for me to clean up uh, for Michael. Um, to you overall, what were the, the quotes in here that you kind of, uh, that kind of resonated with you the most? Mm. There's a, uh, well, obviously the ones you just chose. And then just like to sum everything up, like when um, he was, you know, and it looked like I'm uh, negotiating and then him just saying, Karen realize you're like you don't want the money and like keep the money you'll need it 
still didn't register. Still didn't register. Yeah. And then Don talking about, is this fella bothering you? Am I bothering you? Like, it was just mm. that endless banter and endless chest moving, and she still didn't realize, like, girl, I'm, okay, I'm gonna paint it for you. Like, um, and he was like, what the heck is going on? Who are you? I'm Shiva, the god of death. Yeah. What a line. That is an amazing line. What a what a crescendo, bro. Yeah. Crescendo. What a what a, yeah, that whole scene, the whole the whole thing. And that was his last line. I'm yeah. Bro, that bro, that was... the writing was amazing. I'm telling the you. The writing man. was definitely amazing. It was definitely amazing, but that really like summed up his character. But then the beauty about their writing and the beauty about his acting, he was still unfulfilled when he was walking off. Mm-hmm. Like he was walking off in the sunset, but he still was unfilled. Bro, that's writing for you. That's some good writing. It's only the, the dialogue in this and the writing. That's why I had it three and a half because it still was really good. It wasn't a perfect film, but it was it had some it really was, high moments. It's really <laughs> nice. It's really dope, man. George Clooney, bro, to be able to bring this Michael Clayton character out and to be able to like, because you could really tell like it was like mixed, like side of his face, just like oh, that's dark. Just like Justin Bieber, like oh god, oh my god, oh my god, man, this guy, this guy, oh my this god, guy. god forgive me. <laughs> I was like half his face was smiling, the other half couldn't. Like it was just like Justin Bieber, the dark humor king. The dark humor yeah, this king. This is this is a terrible podcast. This is a terrible episode, guys. I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> Repentance is what I'm going to do after this. <laughs> um, and, and getting getting into our next topic, what did you like the most about the storyline? To me, like how it was a dialogue driven driven drama, we've mentioned how, how good the writing was. I think the dialogue was just exceptional and also, you know, added the dimension of, you know, suddenly uh, a feeling prescient. Um, to you, what, what particular element of this storyline uh, did you kind of like the most? The, the, the entire thing, man. I think and we always talk about this every movie, film, whatever case we character development is. Really beneficial to a film, TV show, whatever the case may be. I think every character was revealed and grown in some aspect or some point in the movie. And obviously, I love how Carrington's character was really just unveiled as being just just this really person who's not really in control, don't really know what's going on. But she had like, and then George. I mean, not George, George Clayton. I just combined (laughs) (laughs) Michael Clayton. (laughs) Excuse me. Michael Clayton's role. Michael Clooney. Michael Michael Clooney. What a name, by the way. What a name. Uh, What a name. Michael Clayton. Michael Clooney. uh, Clooney. Oh, wow. Michael Clooney. But the. (laughs) Wellington, you got me messed up. I got you. Michael Clayton, Michael Clayton's character, I think out of all, obviously out of all the characters, develop way faster. Yeah, and in, I think in different moments of the movie, you really see the true nature, the true care of what he would do to not even just revenge, but just make up for a friend and go to the bat of trying to cover up for a friend, do anything because was in dog duty himself, him borrowing mm. money. 
Yeah. Uh, getting with loan sharks. A lot sharks, of buys trying to get yeah. the <laughs> the firm to get uh, pay the money, but trying to get out there. So it was just a lot of stuff going on and him still thinking about other people, not just himself. Because he did it for his brother. Yeah. Like doing the, I think the restaurant, I think he did it for his brother and give the money to Long Shark. But, but it's always showing him that he was doing for others more than he was doing for himself. And he'll go to the ends of the earth to to make to make up for a person. And that's even getting the lady who got him killed and working with NYPD. So I love the character development. And then the storyline was really, I think it was really dope that it, it, it didn't leave you unsatisfied. Right. That it answered all the questions and it wasn't lingering questions. It wasn't lingering like wanting like another scene or something. It was just like, okay, this was okay. This was this was this was, this was a solid film. Okay. But yeah, that, I think that's what I love about most about the storyline. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and now getting to our last topic, you know, Timur Shumnab, you still think this will be uh, watchable and, and intriguing. Um it, it's it's very this is a very interesting one because because I think um it's not one that's like you said. You, this is the first time you kind of heard of, of this film. It's not one that's going to stand out uh, to most people because there are other movies like in, in the in those like following years and, and previous years that kind of outshine it. But I, I think the if you're into dialogue, if you're into high level writing, and obviously a superstar a superstar like George Clooney is always going to get somebody's attention and they're going to want to watch that movie. I think that that can lure people in and draw them in, even though it's maybe not a, a standout film. Um, to you, how do you think this movie will? Um, you, you think this movie will be watchable and intriguing even another decade from now? I don't know. I don't think this is a rewatchable film. Um, just given the time it came out, yeah. George Clooney is not relevant anymore, even though he's a goat. Um, there's a lot of, like, even... It's not um, when you're going to run back to. Yeah. It's it's not because it's... I mean, don't get me wrong. We, we, we like the storyline. Yeah. We like the actors in it. But just give me what type of film it is about lawyers and blackmail and just doing other stuff. That's not really like grabbing. Yeah. Yeah. It's not really like something I'll rewatch. It's not like a comedy or a Marvel yeah. film <laughs> or. Let's put on my plate on a Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> I literally thought it was a song. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what's the music? What's the movie review? Who's Michael Clayton? Is that a singer? <laughs> I literally typed it in on Apple Music. <laughs> Nothing popped up, so I was like, "Well, maybe <laughs> is it a film?" <laughs> oh, man. and lo and behold, George Clooney pops up. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, okay, it's, it's oh, this is the movie review." And then, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't watch it again. <laughs> I won't. Yeah, I won't watch it again. It's not like something like you watch on a like. Yeah, like you said, let's watch Michael Clay on a Friday. No, like what? No, it's not like those. It's not like like a sci-fi like Limitless. You could watch yeah. over um the film that uh, Ryan Reynolds play in that he like they the guy can transfer people to different bodies or whatever. Um, or like a Marvel film, yeah, or Marvel like certain, yeah, it's something like that's one. rewatchable. That yeah, you, yeah. So this is definitely not rewatchable. Good film, it's but a good not film. Rewatchable. Yeah, it doesn't meet the metric for sure. I think that's the first film we said that wasn't in a long time that wasn't rewatchable. That's because we, we we've been on like a string of just like, yep, this is rewatchable. This is yeah, you can keep watching it. I'm trying to think yeah, of the last is, film that we said that about. I, I don't, I don't even remember. Oh, it was the film. Off Amazon with the um, oh nanny it, nanny 
Yeah, about yeah. her finding her daughter or something. Yeah. That was, wow, that, I, I can't that remember. Was, nanny. It was Nanny. It was Nanny. Yeah. It was Nanny. Um, yeah, I haven't watched that movie ever since. Uh, and it's going to... I think the reason why we say it's because it's on Amazon. It's going to be like driven down, down, yeah. down. Yeah, Amazon. <laughs> You're not going to find it. Yeah. <laughs> They got errors on Amazon now. Like all these big yeah. movies. Like you're not gonna find the nanny or nanny or whatever. So we got to review air next. We got we to do a review of air. I gotta watch. We could do it. Yeah. Well, wait. No, that's a music review. That's a music review. We was talking about the Summer Walkers. Yeah, Summer Walkers. Yeah. Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm host Winsor Burns. I'm my counterpart, Savon Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later. <laughs>